At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Howdy, dream cowboys. Welcome to the Fan Recap and Review Podcast for the debut episode of HBO's Westworld. We're going to be going through it scene by scene, and then giving you some wild theories and crazy conjecture. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. I was blown away by this pilot. I really didn't know what to think. I was all up in the air, and then it really exceeded my expectations. What about you, Ryan? I really, really liked it. It is something, and it's a lot of, uh, most of the internet also really likes it, which is really important, because I don't know what the ratings were last night. In fact, I would guess that they were lower than HBO's expectations. That's just a guess. But... Uh, I think and I hope that this is one of those shows that like comes back season two really hard with with more and more ratings over time because it was wonderful. It had twists and turns and so many things I thought were true were false. I just I really want to keep watching the show. Yeah. And if you listened to our trailer breakdown, Brady and I predicted a lot of things, some of which absolutely came true and then some was completely wrong. Gosh, we were wrong. We were so wrong about some things like the it was we were glaringly wrong about something. (laughs) We'll get to it. Yeah, we got a lot, uh, a lot of scenes to hit here. So let's just jump straight into it. The show begins with that opening line we heard from the trailer. Bring yourself back online. And I thought it was Bernard saying that. You find out later that it's not. It's like that lead bouncer guy who, gosh, I'm. you know what I'm going to need to do soon, James? Learn these people's names. So, oh, I got you covered, man. Oh, uh, my you're God, talking thanks. about Ashley Stubbs, played by Luke Hemsworth. Oh, he's so, he's so dreamy. I really think in the trailer, maybe they had Bernard Lowe read that line because it sounds so much like him. No. It, it really did. Although when... Um, when, uh, the older Hemsworth did say that, I was like, no, that kind of sounds like the trailer. Either way, it is the older Hemsworth kind of talking Dolores through coming back online and trying to basically, he's giving her the AI test in that moment we find out later. That's right. So we're kind of bouncing between that interview as narration over, we're beginning to see Dolores's daily life. She... Wakes up in the morning, she says hi to her dad on the porch. Meanwhile, she's narrating, and you hear that she has a pretty positive, optimistic outlook on life. Without anybody asking her, she basically gives you what she feels about the world, which is that it could always be a sunnier day, and 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 she is always very optimistic, which is, it makes sense for her. She is always on the brink of meeting her uh, true love once more, uh, which we will get to. But uh, before we get there... I just wanted to say that the opening credit scene, which is always so important, and I think it's what really caught Game of Thrones on, is that I think they have the best opening credit scene of all time. So it is really important for the opening credit scene to, to kind of take you in and and sell you on the show. 
And at first I was like, this is a lot like the Nip Tuck opening. And then... Oh, yeah, Yeah. And then it was like all the 3D printing started happening. I was like, okay. So what I liked most about the opening was that it did not sell it as a Western. It sold it as a sci-fi. Like a hard sci-fi show is what that opening was. There was not an inkling. If you watched that opening and had no idea about this show, you would have... Like, there would, there's no inkling in that opening that this is going to be a Western, which is crazy. But going on, do you have anything to add to that? <laughs> I was just going to say that uh, for some reason, the robot skeletal hand playing the piano really gave me the creeps. We come right into uh, Dolores, and it's, I don't know, I got a very Matrixy vibe in the beginning, although I think you're going to get a Matrixy vibe in something that has to do with AI at all. And But, I mean, the first question that is asked of of Dolores is uh have you ever decided to go against it's like have you ever got decided to go against your main uh reason for being or no have you ever questioned your reality was his first question and then she just gave a very stolid no which is just like it kind of it kind of like dug into my core in, a, in that moment like ooh, she doesn't question her reality i wonder if that answer will be different someday Right, and then he asks her, what do you think about the guests that visit your world? And she's like, oh, you mean the newcomers? That's how she refers to them. She's like, oh, you know, they're they're just like us. They're a mix of good and bad people, and they're just trying to make their way in the world. So she's a very open-minded young lady. Yeah, she's truly a real girl. Like, she believes 100% that she is real, and uh, the so the AI is is meant to be completely believable. It is basically like, if at the end of the Westworld movie, nothing went wrong, and it kept going for a really long time, and now we're here, where all the AI is incredibly believable. They even say in the show at some point, you know, you know, back in the old days, you could just tell what the robots were but from a single handshake, which I was like, ah, I was like, ah, yeah. from the, from I the movie. That, yeah. <laughs> and now you can say that the robots are, you can't tell the robots apart from the real human beings unless you work there and you know it At this point it feels like we're going to be calling the newcomers the newcomers that's their name now that's right and the robots are the hosts yeah hosts and newcomers which one will turn on which first it'll be fun so we get our first shot as of james marsden as teddy on the train to westworld with a bunch of newcomers on their way to enjoy their vacation and they have a lot of there's some funny dialogue here where one guest like, yeah, man, on my first trip, I was white hat. I was a good guy. And then after that, I just I decided to come without my family and be totally, he says, straight up evil. Yeah, he goes straight evil. And he's like, best two weeks of my life. And honestly, wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be so fun to just be completely evil for two weeks with no consequences? It sounds like a lot of fun to me. But yeah, he was like, better without your family, dude. <laughs> F your family. <laughs> And then James Marsden is there, and you're like, he's coming. He's coming back to see his girl. And then we kind of go into the town where somebody literally says, like, wow, it's so real. And then the, and the husband says, that's where we meet, like, the, the kind of the husband and wife that we're going to see a few times during this episode. And the, and the husband's response is like, it better be, because it's so expensive. Like, so you kind of get the feeling that it's still very expensive, like it was in the movie. Um and then you see a bunch of like kids putting scorpions on other people's heads who are sleeping. And then you see that James Marsden kind of gets off the Teddy Flood, played by James Marsden, gets off the train and he's walking into town, just kind of looking around. And a big guy hits him his shoulder 
and he like hits James Marsden and James Marsden is like kind of tips his hat to him like hey I don't want any trouble and then the big guy's like I'm big and I'm gonna keep walking um right yeah <laughs> so the the town of Sweetwater I've got to say whereas in the 1973 movie it very much looked like a soundstage of a cowboy film this looks totally authentic it looks really lived in I buy it yeah this is a uh, this is a western town and that's full of western people there are a lot of robots and that is i think the biggest difference between what we saw in the movie and what we saw here is that there are an immense amount of what you would they are calling hosts like later in the show when they're talking about um taking them offline spoiler they talk about taking 200 offline and that's like only 10 or 20 percent of them so there are probably over a thousand robots in this place and it's hard to tell which ones are which. So, creepy? Yes. Interesting? Very yes. Teddy walks into Maeve's saloon, and he gets hit on by a robot hooker who he shoots down because out the window he spies Dolores, who he immediately goes to to talk to, and she's really happy to see him. Yeah, he sees, uh, I think he sees the sheriff walking in, and the sheriff's like, do you want to help us out today, and Teddy Flood's like, not today, Sheriff. Uh, you kind of get the feeling that the Sheriff was a robot, and he was just like an option. Like, you can go on the Sheriff mission today. Um, and then you go into the saloon, and immediately, I like close my eyes, and I thought to myself, if this bartender is not cleaning a glass when he walks in, I'm turning this show off. Wait, what, was he cleaning a glass? Oh yeah, he was, buddy. He was cleaning a glass. He was giving that glass the business. <laughs> um, it's all I cared about. If he wasn't cleaning a glass, I was gone. Um, and then J- and then Teddy Flood gets a whiskey, and I was like, "Good, we're not gonna have any problems there." And then you know the brothel folk are fun. And then right, we we see that Teddy Flood, after uh, being propositioned by the brothel folk, looks out the window and sees his Dolores, just the way he remembered her. Right, which. This came to something we discussed before. It's like, did the robots remember people? Or is it one long narrative? Or is stuff on repeat? So we're still kind of figuring that out at this point. But she definitely recognizes him. She says, like, you're back. He's like, I told you I would be. And he's like, how about I come to your place for dinner? And they ride off into the prairie together. Very romantic. Yeah, at some point we are hearing the older Hemsworth brother still talking at which point, like, when I was watching this, I still thought it was Bernard. I didn't know it was um, the older Hemsworth brother. Which, say his name for me one more time, lovely person, human being? Ashley Stubbs. Ashley? It's a girl's name. Yeah, it's a girl's oh, name. Okay, I, I, I gotcha. Ashley. You know, Ashley used to be a boy's name. Let's not get into it. Okay, so well, Ashley. We got, a, you know, we, got a, we got a Jamie on Game of Thrones. Now we have an Ashley in Westworld. Easy. Easy, easy. So, yeah, we have Ashley asking questions. And it kind of sounds like... I know I learned later that it's the AI test. Basically, he's testing to see if she's, you know, turned on them or something. They have a very regimented AI test, it seems, or at least one that has um, specific questions you have to ask every time. But it kind of sounds like she he's trying to drive her insane for fun. It's the same. Like the AI test is just like, we're going to see if you can go crazy for us. And then she doesn't and everything is fine. But you kind of, when and then uh, Dolores meets Teddy again, and you kind of get the idea that she's a firecracker. Like, the first thing she does is get on her horse, and she's like, you better come ride and, 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 and come chase me. And Teddy's like, ha ha, 
do I miss the old days where I chased you into the woods and then we hung out there and we're all the best of friends. So they spend a little time on the prairie. He watches her father's cowboys like rope up some some cows. Uh, was that what that would you say? The cows or what? I, cowboy word for that. Oh, steers. Steers, perhaps. <laughs> They hang out on the prairie for a bit. They watch the ranchers do their thing. It's established that he's kind of a city boy, and uh, he just dresses like a cowboy. He's not a real, not a real Western folk. Right. Um, so at that point, you're still like, okay, Teddy is coming in, and he doesn't know anything about being a cowboy. And uh, and then she's like, she says something to the effect of like, you know, I'm glad you're back. My daddy was still not glad you're back. To which I was like, how much do you have to pay for her dad to be fine with this? Like, do you, <laughs> yeah. have, to, do you have to pay more money? And her dad's like, I am okay with you banging my daughter. Everything is cool. And then they're having this conversation. And then a gunfight breaks out. Yeah, that's right. That night, they arrive at her ranch home. And they hear some, some bullets going off. The cows have been let out of the pen much too late. So they know immediately something bad is happening. They go up to the house where some bandits have already killed Dolores' mom, and they, as they're walking up, they, like, coup de grace, Dolores is dead. <laughs> the, the bandits briefly discuss the merits of necrophilia, and Teddy comes up and shoots them both dead. Her father is, like, in the middle of saying something and then gets shot in the head, which I always love when... Uh, when a character's in the middle of exposition and then another character stops that by shooting them instead. It just feels more Bill, real. it's yeah. your baby, bam. Bam, you're gone. Like, it just feels more real to me when someone's like, I didn't want to be listening to them anymore, so I shot them in their face. And then, you know, Ashley is still telling, you can hear, like, every now and again, there's just, like, a voiceover or it goes back, and Ashley is basically, what he's actually doing in, in the reality is kind of almost telling telling uh dolores all of the information like that he shouldn't be telling her he's basically giving away everything about what the world is to see if she's like yeah it is but she keeps going no i'm i'm a western girl and everything is fine and then you keep going back to um dolores and teddy flood now coming up on dolores's house where uh teddy flood's like Hey, turn around, and then he, you know, he shoots both bandits with a shotgun, or a rifle, I think, only for Dolores to come up and, you know, see her dead father and dead mother, and she is really sad. Like, you're not getting the feeling at all that she is a robot. You're getting the feeling like she just lost her father and mother, and she's going through something right now. But even so, you get the feeling that all of this is going as according to plan. And now she'll fall in love with Teddy, and they'll all to be be together. And this is kind of a scripted event, and that's when things really just immediately fall to pieces. You uh, you meet Ed Harris playing the gunslinger, and one of the first things he does is just slaps the shit out of Dolores. Like he really hits her to the point where you're like, okay, well, I think he means business. And then. You, you, I kind of, I wrote down, is Teddy the robot or is the gunslinger? It was the first time I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing to me, Westworld? Yeah, you're trying to throw me the curveball. And, uh, and I'm picking up what you're throwing down. 
That's right. Teddy aims his gun at the gunslinger and and fires it a number of times, and it just kind of seems like he's shooting blanks, and they just just puffs of air just don't affect the gunslinger at all. He recognizes both Teddy and Dolores. Neither of them seem to recognize him. He shoots Teddy dead. He carries Dolores off to the barn to violently muscle assault her, basically. It it begs a few questions. Like, number one, how many times has Dolores seen Teddy Flood die? I bet it's been a lot. Uh, number two, Teddy Flood is a robot who comes in on the train every day. So his initial beginning of every day is coming in on that train and with the thought of, I'm going back to meet my Dolores, but he's just a robot and that's a programmed script. And that's amazing. That's so cool. And um, the gunslinger has his initial monologue, which inside that monologue, he says something to the effect of, I'm here, I'm pure evil, and I'm going to rape you for fun. Something to that effect, you know. Yeah, and it makes me, you know, you and I were so hyped for the gunslinger now. Uh, it's a little bit diminished when we actually I... meet him. I disagree 100%. I saw your note. Your, your note was like, I don't know if I like the gunslinger anymore. I like him so much more that he is a real person. Um, it makes, it does, it begs a few other questions like they have cameras everywhere and they're seeing him do all of these things. But I guess if you're doing something to that effect late at night and you're gone pure evil, like that is what you do. You, you, you shoot people and you rape people. So I guess it's not really out of, uh, the norm for what the guests are doing. But I mean, how many times has the gunslinger's character been at this park? It has to be enough times where the management knows who he is, right? But like, either way, we see all of that, and then we kind of zoom out to the outside world. That's the first time where it just zooms out of the park, and you see that in this moment we are within what is basically the inside of a snow globe, basically. We zoom out to see the big map that was in the trailers and realized that and realized uh, kind of that we've been spoofed all at once that Teddy flood is a robot, that the gunslinger is real and that Dolores is a really sad robot who has to go through a really sad things every day. Right. But then the next day they just start all over again. Dolores comes down for bed, has the same exact conversation with her dad. Teddy wakes up on the train on his way to Sweetwater, which some of the things we predicted, some of the things we were right about, you called the gunslinger is human, 100%. Yeah. Uh, I, not too definitively, but I put it out there, called the Teddy is a robot twist. I'll give it to you, 100%. But we were wrong. You and I both thought that this world had a long narrative kind of meta story that was going on on its own that people would dip in and out of. That's not really the way it is. It's kind no. of like a 24-hour loop, just like in the 1973 Westworld. Right, and it makes sense when you find out how many robots there are. Because there are so many robots that a 24-hour a narrative is an incredible amount of running, uh, writing. You, learn, you meet, basically, the narrative director of the park, whose job it is is to write all of these stories for this 24 hours. And when there are that many robots, there are so many interconnecting narratives that there's an incredible amount of of writing to do all the time to keep it up with what robots are in the park, which ones are being fixed, etc., etc. So when you find that out, it kind of makes sense for there only to be 24 hours of stories because that's a lot of stories. We kind of leave Westworld for a little bit. Like you said, 
we zoom out and see the hollow map. We see a lot of technicians working on like robot horses and kind of seems like they're putting brand new robots kind of through their paces, kind of giving them an orientation. They're naked for some reason. I don't know why they can't just be wearing like long johns. HBO. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, we can make them naked. You want them naked? Yeah, definitely. Oh, make everybody naked. Bernard and another female technician who I who isn't named yet in the show, as far as I know, are reviewing one of the hosts, which they've just updated. I think that that's uh, Penny Feather. I think yeah, I think so too. And they're talking about how she suddenly started using these new expressions, and Bernard explains that it's a new code entered this build called a reverie, which is where they have some kind of gesture or expression which reflects some kind of learned memory, which maybe it's something that they've forgotten out of the 24-hour loop, but it still stays with them as something unique to them, unique to their persona. Right, and even like as you're describing it right there, from a uh, a skeptic's a skeptic's perspective, and somebody who is afraid that the machines will kill us all one day, as you describe it there, like gosh, that sounds like like just not worth the effort, or this not worth the risk. It sounds like you're just trying to make a robot army, and this is your first step. Like if if you were making a robot army. And you were like, what's the first step of making a robot army? Number one would be like, okay, well, um, let's get them thinking for themselves. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> but yeah, they're talking about, uh, you know, the, the initial, it's the initial, the girl they're in, sitting in front of, who's very naked, is the initial, like, brothel lady who is the one standing at the front is like, you look like you're new here. And she just says that over and over again. And if you just ignore her, she just stops talking and turns back to the front door waiting for the next one. And she doesn't even move, and like things are landing on her, and they're touching her, and she's not moving at all, which is is odd. Uh, and then the girl, the woman who works with Bernard, while Bernard is doing a diagnostics check, um, is like super into the robot. And then when Bernard leaves, the girl kisses the robot, and the robot doesn't move at all. It's it's just just creepy, a little hot, but also creepy. Yeah, I'm wondering what the significance of that was. I'm sure we'll get more background on this female tech. Or it was just to be hot. I hope it wasn't just to be hot. HBO. (laughs) We had a a girl kiss another girl, but it's okay. One of them was a robot. But also, wasn't that weirdly hot? HBO. All right, Diane, you want to do another take and this time kiss the robot, HBO? Mm, Be pretty hot, HBO. So Teresa, the head of operations for Westworld, calls Bernard into the map room saying that they have an issue with one of the hosts somewhere in, like, the sub-sub-sub basement down in storage. Some robot has just activated when he's not supposed to be, and they're all a little bit worried about it. Yeah, so they call it a unscheduled activity. And when they say those words, everyone's like, what? Unscheduled activity? Like, that's like, when you go to work and you hear unscheduled activity, like, today's gonna be a bad day. Um, And then... Bernard's like, I think everything's going to be fine. And then Ashley's like, yeah, but you don't even have kids, idiot. Like, really, Ashley came so hard at him. was like, if you had kids, maybe you'd care about more about your surroundings, you dumb idiot. But you don't because you don't have kids. Let's just make sure everyone knows you don't have kids, idiot. Ashley was really going in on him, uh, just, like, just like I was there. And you get the feeling that Bernard is pretty not concerned that things could go wrong. 
And Ashley is like, things can definitely go wrong, and we're the ones here to make that not happen. So let's all go back to reality and uh, and and do this thing. In that conversation, they say that the park has not had a critical failure in 30 years. That's right. So it's almost exactly like what you had said earlier, which is it's, it's like if the 1973 movie had happened except for the third act, and then they just kept advancing it and advancing it and advancing it. Right. And... um. It was this scene where you really get more... The first time they're just telling you exposition. And it was the first time I thought to myself, oh, this is a pilot. Like, I did not think this is a pilot prior to this moment. But there, you know, every pilot has to have the moment where they're like, okay, we got to tell them some facts about this world. And they waited a good 15 minutes to do so. But there, it, uh, you, no pilot is immune to this. Yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't think it was too heavy-handed. No, it wasn't that bad. Ashley was, and it was really um, veiled by Ashley just being like, "Sucks, you don't have kids. Maybe you should yeah, have get kids. some kids, loser." Yeah, this kid doesn't have kids. So Bernard and the extremely heavily armed security team—they've got like auto shotguns and stuff—coming down the service elevator to the basement storage facility, which is flooded with water. And I think they just did that because it looks cool. But they explain that like. You know, climate control has been neglecting this floor because it's just used for for dead robot storage, basically. I'm guessing there was just water on set and they were like, let's just say a line that makes this fine. And then, yeah, when they had all the guns, I, I literally like dudes with guns. Why? They're robots who can't hurt you. And then they have all the guns. But so that, I guess, means uh, but you get like from Ashley's sentiment, he truly believes they can hurt you and they will one day. Um, so he's like, no, we're going to have all the guns in the world. Thanks very much. Uh, we're going to plan for the worst, buddy. And then the room full of robots is so, so creepy. I, I had two thoughts there. One, the room full of uh, decommissioned robots is incredibly creepy. But two is that people who have mannequin fetishes are going to love this show. Yeah, it's a bit like Madame Toussaint, except everyone's naked. Yeah, so HBO, hot. Uh, they find out the source of the unplanned activity, as they put it, is park creator and head scientist Robert Ford has come down to the storage unit to, like, have a drink with one of his favorite old and now obsolete robots. Yeah, so this is where you get the feeling that, and we kind of predicted coming in, that Han- Anthony Hopkins' Dr. Robert Ford character would be, like, the omnipotent god, the guy running the show. And he is, but this is the scene where you kind of get the feeling that everyone around him does not believe him to be the omnipotent god running the show. They kind of see him as the guy who's been here too long and should be handing off the reins. He's kind of gone crazy and old, and he's not all there anymore. So, And they, like there are multiple conversations where they're like, you know, Robert Ford, he's going to be out of here pretty soon, and the reins will be handed off finally. Too, not, not soon enough, right? Um. And uh, Bernard catches him having a conversation with a robot. And they're like, oh, what what you doing down here, Robert? You just having some fun? What are you doing? I got the vibe from this scene that it's kind of like, oh, I'm an old man and I want to reminisce with one of my old man friends. So I'll hang out with this robot who I used to know 30 years ago. Yeah, it's like it's only Robert Ford only has uh, robot friends now. Like, all of the people who he used to work with and works with him used to be his friend. But now that he's kind of old and crappy, like, the only people he can talk to are the robots. 
which is really sad, but also like makes you think, I wonder if he is at all angry about that. Like you don't kind of you don't get the feeling that he's angry about it, but he might be. And then that uh, while Bernard and and Dr. Robert Ford are talking, the robot uh, does that thing from the trailer where he zips up his own body bag, which is like, that's not something you see very often. But yeah, we yeah. were wrong about the body bag. We thought it was like an automatic, like Bluetooth body bag that you could have zip zip up and down itself. No, nope, the robot in the body bag zipped it up himself. We get the next morning in Westworld. Dolores is like for the third time having that same conversation with her dad. Teddy's arriving on the train again. The kind of the married couple that you mentioned earlier. They they get they get the same kind of like in in MMO gaming we would say they got like a quest flag from the sheriff who's like we got this this outlaw up in the mountains and we need a man with your caliber to come take him down and he's like well what do you think honey want to go go fight the outlaws and she's like ugh fine I guess and then Teddy Flood is getting off the train and is asked again if the, if he wants to join by the sheriff and Teddy Flood is never interested in going with the sheriff apparently I think the sheriff asks him every day and teddy flood says no because he has to go see about a girl because uh, teddy falls in love every day which must be really fun you know right up until the end there uh but you also see teddy on this day gets derailed from his uh objectives yeah that's right he goes into the same saloon gets propositioned again i love the scene because in the background like mave is in the she's entertaining some chinese newcomers and like uh, she, like doing shots with them in Chinese. I thought that was cute. <laughs> yeah, like like she knows all languages. And he sees Dolores, and he's on his way to start up the same exact conversation they always have, where when some like dude bro newcomers stop him, and they're like, "Hey, bro, this is Teddy. I met him last time. Come, come drinking with us, bro." Yeah, and he, you get in like you see it in his eyes. He really has no choice. Like he, he was on his primary objective, which was go talk to Dolores and be like, I'm back. But the moment a customer is like, hey, Teddy, remember me and you? We were the best of buds. And he was like, right. Yeah, best of buds. All right, he doesn't remember that at all. But he is, he just kind of stops and is like, this is what I'm doing now. And then that happens. And then you see the gunslinger walk up to Dolores and she doesn't have like any, she has no reaction to it, which is just, so disconcerting because you recently saw the gunslinger do some mean things to her. Yeah, and th- it was really creepy the way he's like nice to her this time. She drops something and he picks it up and he's like, but Was oh, it nice that- though? <laughs> he's like, that-, that condensed milk is sweet, but not as sweet as you. And she's like, Oh, that's too much. And like contrasting with the scene where he raped her, it's like really fucked up actually. Yeah, and then the gunslinger is basically like, Well, I won't be raping you tonight, Dolores. I have some other things to do, but I want you to know that if I wanted to rape you tonight, I would have. <laughs> and so then he, and then she's like, okay, and keeps going on about her day. And I was like, oh, and I thought, like, good for her. She'll get a night off from the awful raping from the gunslinger. That's nice. That's nice of him. That, that married couple who I don't think they get names. They're just the goofy married couple in Westworld. They're like in the middle of their, like, catch the outlaw event. And they find some victims and some clues in the dirt. The sheriff's, like, going through his spiel when all of a sudden he kind of breaks down. Yeah, his face goes in all directions, and he glitches out 100%. So you kind of get the feeling, like, if this was an MMORPG, it would just be, like, a broken quest. Like, 
and in the middle of it, it just kind of crashes the game. And the two, uh, the two, the couple who is with them are immediately are like, it's broken. So I guess we just got to leave now. And they just leave the crappy broken sheriff out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, they're like, oh, I'm done with this. Let's go to the saloon. How, how fucking dare you, dude? How dare you, dude? I closed the wrong tab. That what? You idiot. So much more shit happens in this TV show, dude. We're not done. I don't know why. Back in the lab, Teresa, who is the, uh, we mentioned before, she's the director of activity at the park. And then the narrative director who writes all the events and writes a lot of the characters' lines, Lee Sizemore, are kind of inspecting the glitched-out sheriff, and they're trying to determine exactly what went wrong with him. Yeah, so from this scene, you get a few things. Like, number one, uh, that lady who... Say her name once more for me. Teresa. Teresa. You kind of get the feeling that Teresa is the lady in charge. Um, while Dr. Robert Ford is is God around there and in charge of everything, he's gone a little bonkers, and Teresa is kind of, it feels like, right from the beginning, his rightful successor, like, who would take over for him. She's just the one who, who knows the most and, and is giving all of the direction. Right. While Lee, if, if Robert Ford is the chairman of the board, she's the CEO, basically. Yeah, and then Lee Sizemore... Is the guy who's doing all the narrative stuff, and and basically they're having the Jurassic Park conversation, uh, which makes sense because uh, Michael Crichton's the one who wrote both Jurassic Park and Westworld, and uh, kind of brings up this same conversation, which is, do we close the park down? And the answer is we can't close the park down. They talked about this a little bit. They kind of inferred it in the uh, Westworld movie as well. They can't close the park down because how do you explain that to guests? How do you explain closing the park without going, oh, because the robots got a little evil and killy. Because it's dangerous and you might die. Come back in a month. Yeah, you'll be fine. This, I'm sure, will never happen again. Right. So, like, it's the same conversation they have in Jurassic Park where they and they decide not to close it down there either. Um, I'm learning this one thing from all of these movies. If anyone at any point is like, we should close this place down, it's a little dangerous. I'm, I'm in charge. I'm going to be like, good, do it immediately. Do it. I, I've seen the other consequences. Do not leave this place open. Right. Let's just say uh, we're closing it for a private event. <laughs> you know, let's just lie. It's yeah, it's a three month long wedding. Don't come here. <laughs> so Teresa wants to if they're not going to shut down the park, she brings up the idea. Well, let's just pull out the updated robots. Maybe this has something to do with the reverie. With the with the latest build of the AI, and Lee is just completely against that. He's like, "No, no! If you pull out like two hundred robots, you're gonna screw up all the writing I've done for this this like season." And uh, you know, I'm not gonna let you do that. And they just decide to drop it. They're like, "Okay, well, whatever." Bernard is certain that unscripted things are not going to happen. Don't worry. Bernard is always very. They're calling him Bernie, actually. Like Doctor Robert Ford calls him Bernard, but everyone else calls him Bernie. Uh, which is kind of condescending, I think. Like, a, like they don't see him as, as all-powerful. They see him as, like, the guy who gets in the way of the things they want to do. And they see him as the pawn of Robert Ford. So, Bernie is like, I think everything is going to be fine. He has a lot more um, respect and a lot more... He believes in Robert Ford, so he doesn't right. think... Right, well, you could say he drank the Kool-Aid, you know? For sure. 
So this is where you learn that um, the park is incredibly high tech, has over 200 storylines at any given moment. This is where you 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 see Teddy once more after this, and he's again a fly is landing on him. That is something that is happening, and we haven't brought up throughout this entire thing. A pretty common occurrence is that flies will land on these robots, and then the robots will let just let the fly crawl all over them because they are programmed not to and I and I quote and they say this a lot of times not to hurt a fly. That's like in their programming not to do that. So you'll see over and over again a fly lands on Teddy, a fly lands on Dolores, etc., etc., and they just kind of let it happen, which is as disconcerting as humanly possible. Uh, like all you're thinking while it's happening is hit hit the, hit hit that fly, man. The God, you gotta gonna, hit that touch fly. Touch your eye, man. <laughs> oh no, it's touching your eye, dude! It's touching your eye. Oh no! Oh god! <laughs> I'm just having a nervous breakdown, but they don't care because they are robots. Right, it's like uh, the Asimov rules where, like, they're not allowed to hurt anything that's alive. Yeah, which I guess is a good rule when there are a bunch of guns and everything, even though the, the, the newcomers can't be shot. But then we move on to seeing Dolores in, I guess, what her day is if she doesn't get to meet Teddy. Like, if right. if Teddy if Teddy gets sidetracked at the beginning of the day, her day just kind of diverges to this other narrative which is she is standing by a river and she is painting yeah she gets approached by a trio of newcomers uh, a couple and their son and she's really nice to them she welcomes them over to like check out her painting and her horses and she gives the boy some feed to like teach him how to feed the horse and he is completely repulsed by her. He's like, you're one of them. You're not human. He gets like a really worried look on his face. And he just like pulls away from her. And immediately she's like, well, I have to go. In a really deadpan way. Which makes me wonder, like, is there something going on with Dolores already? Has there always been? I don't think so. I think she's just programmed to ignore it 100%. I think I think she's programmed to ignore any any anything like that anything like people telling her straight to her face you're a robot and she's just gonna go okay well have a nice day and then keep going and keep uh just it doesn't it just doesn't compute you know because she's a robot um but uh like so a few things number one from the trailer breakdown i was like pretty sure that this little black kid was bernard's son and i was like is that racist and we're like no i'm pretty sure it's bernard's son turns out yeah totally racist it's not bernard's son they're just both african-american and this is just a a tiny african-american boy with two uh african-american parents uh who were just wandering and got off the path it seems like they said they're like we were on the path and now we're not and now we're just weird and with dolores yeah and then he says that thing to dolores and she shrugs him off completely and and again I'm going to use the word disconcerting. I'm going to need to learn some synonyms for disconcerting for this TV show. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, we'll get a we'll get a thesaurus for next time. Seriously, because every time one of the robots is like, okay, and then moves on with their lives without saying anything about how they're robots, you just get this feeling in your body. You're like, oh, God, this is going to go so badly. Dolores finds the photograph of just some woman in what looks to me like Times Square. And he shows it to Dolores, and immediately she gets that deadpan tone again, where she's like, doesn't look like anything to me. 
and just walks away, which is it's raising my suspicions a little bit. Right. So, yeah, Dolores' dad, who is, we are going to have to find out in this moment, uh, I, I does he have a name other than this is Dolores' dad? Peter. Um, Peter Abernathy. Right, yes, Peter Abernathy. No, first of all, the person who is playing Peter Abernathy, the actor, is absolutely incredible. It, this He was, I think, my favorite part of this pilot. He finds a a picture, like as you said, of a girl standing in Times Square, and and the picture is like slightly burned, so you don't get to see all of it. But yeah, she he tells Dolores about it, and then she completely ignores it, like her programming tells her to do. But it seems as though Dolores's father is more inquisitive than Dolores is, and just can't let it go. And that's uh, what makes she, me think, dude. Like he's having a natural reaction. She's having the reaction of someone who doesn't want to be found out. Maybe I'm wrong. That's that's what I'm thinking. Ooh, yeah. Okay, I feel you now. You think, like, she knows, but she's playing the game, dude. Yeah. And that, and that he doesn't know. And it is, it is shaking him to his core, which was, is a fun thing to watch. Like, uh, you were watching someone's existence crumble around them. How fun. Back at... Westworld headquarters. Teresa is like ending her shift with a cigarette on the roof. Lee Sizemore comes out to talk to her. He's a little bit concerned. He's like, you know, the robots are getting too real. What fun is it to live out this fantasy if you really think you're hurting and you're killing real people? Like, that's not going to be a fun thing. That's only fun for psychopaths. And he which, kinda which there are a lot of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He criticizes Robert Ford, which really seems to annoy Teresa, which is interesting because she kind of doesn't seem 100% on the Robert Ford, you know, bandwagon. But then when she hears Lee, who's like in a lower position than her, kind of criticize him, that kind of that annoys her, it seems like. Yeah, like she's like, hey, only we can say Robert is an idiot. That's a that's an us thing. That's not a you thing. But yeah, so you get an aerial shot of the headquarters as we enter this scene and it's gigantic it's huge this is a corporation that is doing well you can tell their headquarters is absolutely gigantic from this conversation you real uh you hear that uh lee sizemore's character says that employees rotate in and out so that he asks when she's gonna rotate home and she's like i don't even know he says the updates the bad idea and uh, he's like, we should stop all the updates together, and only 10% of the robots have been updated. And they're also, they're referring to all their customers as, quote, rich assholes, which is, I guess, ni- like, <laughs> that's nice of you. You guys, just all your customers are, are rich assholes to you? That's not very uh, good. That's not very good customer service, guys. Yeah, he makes some comment about being, you know, what the customer wants and what Dr. Robert Ford wants is not the same as what our shareholders want or what management wants. And Teresa kind of chides him. She's like, oh, so you know what management wants? Kind of inferring that she really does. And he's like, well, no, not really. And so she just leaves him there on the roof. Like, whatever, dude, figure it out. So this is the first inkling of there is some background stuff happening and we're not going to tell you about it. And by we're not going to tell you, I mean... The show is not going to tell the audience, um, but you get the feeling that Teresa knows some things that you're not going to find out for a, a little bit. Back in Westworld, Maeve's saloon is closing down for the night. It must be pretty late if the saloon's closing down. The kind of the floor manager, 
at the casino section is like digging through the pockets of one of his workers. He finds some coins in there. He tosses them on the table. That worker goes to leave and immediately he gets like attacked by the gunslinger like right away. Yeah, so you learn a few things here. This is what the gunslinger wanted to do. He can't rape Dolores tonight because he's busy just really beating up this uh, black guy who sits at the tables and plays poker with all the guests um, and is, I guess, programmed to steal as many coins and things from where he works. And he meets the gunslinger right when he gets out. And the gunslinger kind of uh, immediately cuts his throat, which doesn't kill him, which is insane. And then uh, <laughs> I thought to myself, like, that's just mean of him. And he kind of starts dragging him away. But right before we leave the saloon, on the jukebox, slash not the jukebox, the player piano, a player piano's version of Black Hole Sun was playing. And it was kind of the moment where the show sold itself to me. It was like, is that Black Hole Sun? It is. Oh, that's that's fun. Yeah, I hope we get a lot more of that in the soundtrack coming up. I really like the way they did that. And part of the scene reminds me of something you brought up during our review of the 1973 Westworld movie. Check it out. You said, you know, in Westworld, it's all guns and you can regulate what the gun fires at. Here, the gunslinger cuts the guy's throat with a knife, which is like, the patrons are allowed to bring blades with them into the park? What if he cuts the throat of another person? You can stab anyone you want. Isn't that crazy? That's like a real-life thing and a show thing. Like, at any given moment, you can take a sharp object and just stab someone in their face. Like, it's it's frowned upon, obviously. But, like, you can just stab anybody you want. Especially in Westworld, where... How do you let anybody have a knife? Like, I I feel like they, he had to have gotten that knife. Like, he couldn't have brought that knife in. I don't know. There's just a lot of questions from that one moment. Back in the lab, it seems like Bernard finally got the sheriff all fixed up. When another tech comes in and he's like, actually, we're having a way bigger problem with one of the hosts inside the park. Yeah, Houston, we have a problem. Inside the park, one of the bandits who was working with the gunslinger the night he attacked the Abernathy Ranch, uh, he's going around the bar just, like, killing every host in there. There's a couple of newcomers, and they're just mortified, like, cowering in the corner. And he's, like, saying insane shit. He's like, I'm not gonna kill me this time. I'm not gonna die this time. And uh, he he's pouring milk on the corpses for whatever reason. He takes a big swig of it himself, and that's where we see that shot from the trailer where the milk's, like, pouring out of his chest wounds. So, he, he was meant to be part of an event where he's been killed at this point, but he's like, nah, nah, I'm not gonna get killed this time. I'm just gonna keep going. I choose to not be dead today. Uh, yeah, he's going ape shit. It's it, one of the scenes that has to happen in a Western uh, robot story, which is he gets shot a bunch of times, he takes a drink of some liquid and it comes out of his body through the bullet holes that has to happen in the story there's no way to get around that scene had to happen put it in the pilot um that also happens in the mask if you guys have seen the mask oh yeah yeah he's going insane and then he kind of just stops and it turns from a robot going insane to a basically what is a crime scene and bernard's there and um the girl, the lady who was with Bernard, who uh, kissed the uh, the robot earlier, HBO so hot, is also with him. And it, and like a light turns on, it kind of becomes a film set all of a sudden. 
actually more so than a film set, it becomes an episodic cop drama for a second. And I gosh dang hope that that is not something that happens every show. It it felt like in the middle of the show, like a little mystery happened because of robots going a little crazy in the park. And now that mystery has to be solved. And it was like Bernard and, and, and the girl who kissed the other robot, who I, we're really going to have to figure out her name, um, was like, what do you think happened? And, and then they just kind of talk about what happened. Like, it felt like a Law & Order SVU episode in the middle of Westworld. Right, and they conclude that this robot, whose name is Walter, he's meant to be crazy and to do crazy, bizarre things, so that's fine, but, you know, he's not meant to, to stay up after he's been killed. Uh-huh. And at this point, Teresa puts her foot down. She's like, nope, screw this. We're rounding up the updated robots and getting them out of the park. Like, nobody got hurt, but still, this was horrible. This is not not part of the plan. Yeah, to which Bernard is like, what will Lee Sizemore, the narrative man, think? He'll be pretty peeved. And she's like, yeah, we don't care. The The only part, like, in the middle of this, the only other thing to do is close down the park. We're obviously not doing that. So get the ten percent of robots that have been up to, that have been updated, and then you know get them in here. We this is this is two now that this has happened to. We can't just be we can't just be keeping having crazy robots. So we then kind of go back from this scene to see Bernard is talking to Robert Ford, and we kind of get to see the three D God printer from the trailer here for the first, uh, and we see the the uh, the there is a a robot being made of muscles and 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 robotic bones um but it's still white and has no colorant and it's coming out of the 3D printer which is like ooh we're in the future bernard explains that he thinks this might have to do with the reveries which ford kind of snuck into the latest build and at first ford's being kind of condescending to him about it uh, but then he does eventually admit, like, you know, it's my mistake. Like, I I created this awesome, beautiful place that's really amazing. So, you know, give me a break if I screw up every now and then. He he says, like, you could just say it. There were mistakes. I made a mistake. Just say it to me. You you I know you uh you like revere me as a god, basically, is the feeling you get. But just tell me that I'm making mistakes. And this is a, the moment where I was, I did kind of get an inkling of, but was it a mistake? I don't know. It, it felt like he was kind of like, just kind of give me a break. You know, uh, just don't ask me any more questions about it. That would really, uh, really mess up my plan. That's not this being a mistake. Uh, or he could just be old and crappy. Who knows? Back in Westworld, the next day, the gunslinger apparently has been torturing this host all night. He's drained him of a lot of blood, which he's put into buckets because he's a full-on psycho. <laughs> the host tries to run away from him, but, you know, he gets to the edge of a cliff and he can't really go any further. The gunslinger, and this is weird, starts interrogating the host for information. He's like, I want to know how to get down into the catacombs, into the lab. The host looks like he has no idea what he's talking about. And so the gunslinger is, all right, well, if I can't get it out of your mouth, uh, let me see what I can dig out of your skull with my knife. Yeah. Okay. So a few things. 
One, I don't think that it's a coincidence that this scene is right after the one where Robert Ford is like, hey, maybe it was a mistake. And it kind of was the reason where this scene is like, yeah, it seems like because in this scene, the gunslinger literally says that he's been coming to this park a long time and uh, he was draining. Yeah, he was draining him of blood and he was like three, three buckets full. Very interesting. Like he was doing experiments on the on the robot and it still wasn't dead and but the gunslinger says that he believes that there is a deeper meaning to this game than just coming and being part of westworld he believes that the creator has made a more extensive game than anybody has ever played and then the creator is kind of just waiting for somebody to unlock the deeper version of the game and he's interrogating the guy so it kind of begs the question of, is the gunslinger going to keep interrogating robots until he finds one who knows? Does he think that one of them is the, is the answer to, uh, to what he knows or to what he wants to know? And then we kind of revert back to Dolores and her father, who still has the same picture. Although, wait, I did forget this one thing that is kind of important, which was the gunslinger. At the end of this interrogation, when he finds out that this guy has nothing to tell him, he scalps him. And on the inside of the robot's scalp is that marking from the trailer. Which is very mysterious. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but it's something to remember, at least. Right. I think it's inferred in that moment that Dr. Robert Ford has something to do with that marking. And we don't know why. And it's a mystery. Yeah, as you said, Dolores comes down to have her morning ritual, same conversation every day with her father, but he's freaking out. He's been looking at this photo all night. Dolores tries to ask him about it, and he starts saying really bizarre things. He's like, you know, I realized that I have a question that you're not supposed to ask, and it led me to an answer that I'm not supposed to have. And he starts to malfunction a bit, and Dolores is like... Maybe you're having a stroke or something. I'm going to go run and get the doctor. He whispers something to her, and we don't hear what it is, and then she leaves. Yeah, she goes into town at the exact moment she's supposed to go into town, only with, like, a different thing to do this time, which is to go get a doctor for her father, who is losing his mind because his programming is just not making sense of this picture. He is asking... A, a very real question like it looks like he figured out that he's a robot and he's not real and that is just really ripping him apart and then Dolores goes into town but uh and then Teddy Flood is going through the same thing he always goes through and sees her get off her horse and is but sees her being completely uh like kind of uh messed up too and goes out to meet her but as this is all happening and Teddy Flood confronts her and is and she's like you came back and he's like yeah totes I always do um, he's like, what's wrong? And she's like, my father is, uh, you know, going insane. We have to go help him. But they can't because as we learn as they zoom out of the park to get around taking out 200 hosts, all the updated hosts that they had to take out of the park, the narrative man, <laughs> uh, uh, Lee Sizemore, has decided that a, uh, a quest that ha- is usually supposed to happen a week after this is getting pushed up a week, which is Hector one of the ultimate bad guys in the park, just a guy, uh, a cowboy in all black, 
will be coming into the center of town one week early to pull off a heist. Right, he's going to rob Maeve's saloon of all their money and valuables. And uh, him and his gang, of which uh, Armistice is a member, just start... I don't know why this is integral to the heist, but they just start axing every host in sight. Armistice is like a really good shot. She's like filling them with bullets, even as they're riding by on horses. She is pumping people full of bullets. There's that one part where... She pumps, she like shoots a guy who then gets dragged by his horse. Like he falls off his horse and gets dragged. And then she pumps him full of like five more rounds just to be sure because she's so cool. Because she's the cool girl. Yeah, Hector and Armistice are, are just going ham. You can tell that Hector and Maeve have a full, like they have a full conversation where you kind of get the feeling like, ooh, they, they kind of have a thing for each other. And if Hector yeah. wasn't busy. He'd be getting down right now. This is like a Batman, Catwoman kind of like antagonistic uh, love affair they've got going on. Yeah, and during all of this, an, an orchestral version of the Rolling Stones' Paint of Black is happening, which is so good. It's really so, cool. Oh my god, it's good. And I'm like, you know, I think they're taking a uh, a page out of... They're taking a page out of the Peaky Blinders' book where, I don't know if you if, if you have watched it, they're using a lot of modern music in an era that is not modern at all, and they're taking a page out of that book and, and, and doing the same, using old-timey versions and or orchestral versions of modern music and then putting it into the show, which so far, so good. Holy crap, it's great. And then, uh, so Teddy Flood and Dolores are about to leave, and they're like, I guess we can't leave. This whole heisty thing is going on. And then you get the feeling that Maeve and Hector have a past that uh, uh, to speak of, and but we don't get to see that because Hector walks out. And as Hector walks out, the one of the uh, guys who is like helping Hector on in doing the heisty thing is like, "Well, if you guys don't have any valuables, maybe I'll just take one of your one of your whores." To which Maeve is like, "No, thank you," and shoots that guy in the back of the head. Yeah, proving that she's pretty badass herself. Yeah. Hector's about to begin this, like, awesome monologue which Lee has written for him, especially for this event, where the goofy married couple from the other day just come up and blow him and Armistice away. And you can almost see on their faces, they're like, this this isn't supposed to, these, these weaklings aren't supposed to be able to take us out, but oh, we're helpless, even though so, we're badasses. So a few things. One... Uh, the narrator is like, oh, God, like this was not supposed to happen. He was looking so forward to um, Hector having a long monologue that he wrote for him, which is something that I asked for. I wanted robots to have monologues and then they're just giving them to me. It's well, you know, they were going to give it to me before the weird, awkward couple was like, oh, oh did you see that? We shot both of them in their faces. <laughs> and all the people in the control room were like head in hand, like, oh, God. That was truly funny. I laughed out loud. That was an actual funny moment where there was just so much buildup. And then these two goofballs were like, we shot them. Did everybody see it? Everybody. (laughs) Uh, In the middle of the fray, though, Teddy, in an attempt to protect Dolores, got shot in the back. And uh, as the action winds down, he kind of passes away. But in like a really sweet moment where he's like, you know, I was just trying to protect you. I was just trying to be gallant. For once in my life and Dolores just completely loses it 
and it's it's actually really sad. It's sad to see these robots like suffer so much over temporary problems that aren't real, you know. Right. So he's gallant in that moment because he always is. He's programmed to save Dolores and save her family whenever. So he does try to do that. And then like Dolores, who in the back of her head is like, my dad is going insane at home. I still need to find him a doctor, loses Teddy Flood again because she does every day. She sees him die every day. Like, you just get the feeling that the gunslinger, I think, does not see Dolores for what she really is, which is the key to all of this. She is the has to be the saddest person in this park. She sees her the love of her life die every day. Oh, and if gosh, gosh dang it, can she be the the answer to some possible far out question? And then we get to go a little forward of the two the goofy couple getting to stand and take a picture with Hector and Armistice dead in coffins next to the next to them, and they're taking like a fun picture like they would at a theme park. And Armistice and Hector are put into these coffins like Morgan Freeman is at the end of Unforgiven, which I think is just a straight shot to, hey, look at they did this in Unforgiven and now we do it in Westworld because it's just it's just canon. They everyone knows Unforgiven, so the and this is the picture that everybody wants because it's from that one movie. And then, you know, as all of this awful, awful stuff is happening, it basically turns back into a film set where the uh the girl from earlier who who kissed had the lesbian relationship for that very small moment with the robot walks over to Dolores and Dolores is like you have to help me my life is just going really badly yeah this part really broke my heart because like she stayed with him there all day and night because this is real to her and it's yeah. really sad the tech comes by and says like the magic word says some passphrase which gets Dolores to instantly shut down. They're like, okay, well, we got another one. They're just right. rounding up anyone who's been updated. Y- yeah, exactly. And Dolores is definitely one of them, as is James Marsden's character, Teddy Flood, as is um, her father, who is still at home, still going crazy, uh, and still probably on the brink of crying on a constant basis because of this picture that is, you know, making him question his own existence. <laughs> um, and... Then we kind of go right back to where we were at the beginning, where Ashley is asking, is bas- is giving the AI test to Dolores. She's being interviewed this time about, like, her father and this photograph. Um, again, she says, like, oh, no, the photo didn't mean anything to me. At the same time, Robert Ford is interviewing the father, Peter. And he's really badly malfunctioning. He isn't really making any sense. So Ford's like, well, can you go back to your last previous update? And when he does, he seems normal for like a little bit. He's like, oh, yeah, I love my daughter. I live to protect my daughter. And he breaks down again. The the evil part of him kind of overtakes him over time. Like he just kind of slips back into it. And then also... So all of this stuff is going on in the park, and it's not going very well. Uh, the, uh, the management obviously knows that some stuff, is, some weird stuff is going on. And then they bring Robert Ford in to kind of do the final diagnostics on the main problem, which is Dolores' father. So even in a place where they believe Robert Ford is kind of, you know, old and cranky and insane, he still is the guy who they call for the biggest problems. 
which is interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Agreed. And moving yeah. on. I, I, I thought I had a comment. I didn't. <laughs> I, I, I thought I was going to be additive. I was wrong. Robert Ford has him go back to the most current update. And at that point, he starts to quote Shakespeare. He's like, a rose is a rose is a rose. He smiles really sickeningly, menacingly. And then he threatens Robert Ford and basically all of Westworld. With He's like, I'm going to bring down terrible revenge on all of you. He tells Robert Ford, quote, you're in a prison of your own sins. And he grabs him by the shoulders. And at that point, they shut him off. Which is something... I don't think the robot's supposed to do that. I don't think the robot's supposed to touch the people. I think that's out of the character. And it's the first moment. And you see Robert Ford's eyes in that moment like, oh boy, he is not supposed to almost attack me. Definitely. And all by, by, by the way, he's very naked. The robot's super naked. All these robots are always super naked. So like, it's just this naked guy lunging at Anthony Hopkins. During this conversation... Robert Ford asks uh, Peter Abernathy, what are his drives? And uh, you learn that all of these characters have like two or three normal drives and then a like a prime drive, a two or three normal things they do. And then like the ultimate drive they have, which is the thing that kind of overrides their entire lives and is the most important thing to them. And the drives of Peter Abernathy were to, you know, take care of his crops um, and clean his house and take care of his family. And his overall primary drive was to protect Dolores. His He is here to protect Dolores, which is kind of my first... I, I, have, I have a few theories from this pilot. And my first one is when dolores's father peter abernathy finds this picture and questions his existence completely he is acting as a robot trying to protect his robot daughter from something that he does not understand at all uh, which is this picture and the phenomenon that it's causing in his brain or his robot brain but it is the act of protecting his daughter which is driving him to insanity because he doesn't know how because it's all he wants to do as his primary objective, but he has information that he doesn't understand. That is, that's my, I think my idea. Yeah, I think you're on something there. So they go through the history of this particular host, who is now Peter Abernathy, but apparently he's played various roles throughout the years, and he used to be an evil professor character who was the leader of a cannibal cult for some, like, horror story event. And for some reason, the Reverie update allowed him to tap into that persona and was kind of making him go wacky a little bit, which is like, yeah, definitely undo this update. <laughs> whatever whatever cute gestures you're getting them to do are not worth this. For a moment, you just thought the uh, Peter Abernathy was going insane and knew where he was and what he was doing and was actually threatening Robert Ford. And it just ends up being that he was tapping into old builds. Although it does make you like question like, well, how much of it was old builds and how much of it was the robot going insane? You kind of hope it was a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. And the father, you find out what the Peter Abernathy whispered to Dolores, 
And he whispered, uh, and I quote, these violent delights have violent ends, which is, I think, pretty straightforward. Um, yeah. And then the last question in the AI test is, would you ever hurt a living thing? Basically, would you ever hurt a fly? And Dolores' answer is, and this is very important, her answer is, no. Yeah, and he also asked, you wouldn't lie to us technicians, would you? And she's like, no, of course not. I love you guys. We keep going with the interview, and we're kind of catching up to the first scene of the episode. You know, she gives that same hopeful, positive outlook on her life speech again. This time, though, when she gets out of bed and comes down the stairs and says hello to her father, it's a completely new host, because the old host who played Peter has had a drill shoved up his nose, and him, along with Walter, the psychopath host, have been decommissioned, and they're going to get stored in the underground basement. <laughs> they were bad. They don't get to come back. So yeah, they get taken down to the underground basement full of uh, robots who are decommissioned, which, holy crap, is that room scary to be in? Really, really scary. Yeah, and should they be hoarding them? Maybe you should be burning them or something? I don't know. No, Smashing no, no. You, them? you put them all in one place so that one day when they all get turned back on and go evil, it's just like the biggest problem to have in the world. You, you get what I mean? <laughs> and um okay so yeah she has dolores has a new daddy and she has no idea she's just like yep that's daddy that's who daddy is and interestingly their conversation is slightly different this time so it seems like the hosts all kind of have like an innate personality core and so maybe they'll say something a little bit different right and then from something i mentioned earlier uh i kind of jumped the gun on <laughs> robot western show just bang, bang, bang. Me. god just kill me okay so is this is the moment where you see the gunslinger kind of looking down at the inside of the uh, robot that he decapitated its head, and you see the marking, the sigil, the the crop circle esque sign from the trailer on the bottom of that uh, of that scalp. To which you know it just it begs the easy question of like, hey, what's that? Who knows about it and why? And then. Right, as you said earlier, we see Dolores after the conversation with New Daddy. Um, a bug lands on her neck, and for a moment she does not look at it, does not do anything. The same thing she's been doing this entire episode, which every character has been doing this entire episode, which is just letting the bug do whatever they want. And then she hits it, and you're like, oh no. They asked her if she would ever hurt anything, and she said no. So that's a lie. What else do they ask her? Which is the one of... Uh, said, would you lie? And she said, no. Right. Oh, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. She, so she lies. And then they're like, would you lie? And she's like, nah. So she lied. Not, not only is she apparently lying to humans, she has the ability to break through her programming they also mention that she's the oldest model still in use, so she's got a lot of history built up during all those updates. And just something about her demeanor makes me think like she's already woke, so to speak. Like she can't help herself that she loves Teddy, but she does, she knows there are holes in this system, and she knows enough to shut up about it. Uh, the name of this episode is The Original. I think it's referring to her 
as they just said, she is probably the oldest host in the park, the, the original one, the one with the most the most past lives, probably. She most likely has not been this exact character the entire time, like her father, Peter Abernathy. She's probably changed multiple times, so she has a lot of uh, personalities to back up into, eventually, perhaps. And now she's, like, killing bugs and stuff, so everybody best be afraid. And that is the end of the episode. So... What are your main takeaways from the pilot episode, James? All right, so I love this episode. We talked about it a little bit already. The soundtrack choices maybe impressed me the most. I'm definitely going to buy the soundtrack for this once the season's over. Performances were really great all around. I think uh, Hector was kind of the standout character for me. I really want to see more of him. The Teddy gunslinger twist at the very beginning really got me. Didn't see that coming at all. And, uh, yeah, just really positive review. I'm psyched for the second episode. I'm not going to watch the trailer for the next episode. I want to go into it fresh, you know? So what? what's your review, though? Okay, so I watched the trailer for the next episode. In fact, I watched the trailer. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I, wa- I watched the trailer for the next episode, plus all the stuff after. They do basically, like, an After the Thrones thing where they talk to Jonathan Nolan, um, and like they do to da- uh, with David Benioff and, um, and Mr. Weiss from Game of Thrones, yeah. So they at, and he talked about uh, the man in black, which is what he called the gunslingers moment with J- with Teddy Flood, like the first the man in black, uh, kind of representing um, evil or the audience within the park, and Teddy Flood representing everything good in the world. He talked about that, which is interesting that they're doing they're doing post show interviews. So they're doing that, which is something you do to a show that is um, a hit. So they're kind of just like predicting it being a hit, which is which is nice of them. In that after an interview, it sounds like James Marsden is talking about his character and is in it for the long haul. So we're kind, you kind of, we kind of hope that that character is around for as long as he can be, because as you may know, James Marsden's like an actual movie star. The music was amazing. I'm gonna buy it for sure. And for me, my biggest takeaway is, and I think the most interesting thing that happened the entire show is what is the mystery, what is the gunslinger trying to figure out, and what does it have to do with Robert Ford? Alright, so let's get some crazy theories in here. First of all, I'm going to make a prediction for episode two. This episode was about the robots and the techs. The guests took a backseat. We only kind of got the goofy couple. I'm saying next episode, and this is me having not seen the trailer, next episode is going to be more about guests. Hopefully. We'll get William and Logan introduced, and they'll kind of go through a Peter John story arc a little bit from 1973. That's what I'm hoping. I think uh, we're probably going to see what it's like when you start your stay at Westworld, like the orientation, the outfitting, the stuff like that, the montage you really want to see. I think we're going to get that next. And uh, my main crazy theory, one one episode in, Dolores is Neo. <laughs> okay? Dolores right. is the one. I, 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 that sounds like something that's, that is very obviously true. Like, if she isn't the one, then what is she? Like, why would they spend so much time on her? Like, I think she is the answer to, uh, questions that we don't know yet, I think. Um, yeah, and I think, uh, I, I like all that. I, I, I've seen the trailer, so, so I know a few things of what you just said. But yeah, obviously, we're eventually going to see uh, Jimmy Simpson's character, uh, William, soon, and we're going to see Logan soon. So we're going to get to see that. The 
theory that I'm going to start with and that hopefully by the finale episode I can be like, yo, I called this from episode one. Although the um, the internet is also calling it too. I, I looked at the top comments on Reddit for the post uh, the post thread and one of the top comments is this. So it's not just me. I wasn't the only one thinking it. One of the uh, leading fan theories already is that Dr. Robert Ford died a long time ago and is now also uh, a robot. I didn't think of that. Yeah. So if he's also a robot, these reveries that he put in would not be a mistake. It would be oh, something he's doing shit. purposely. It would be something he's doing purposely as like the in the in uh, leader of the robot rebellion, and they don't even know it yet. And, yeah, and then maybe the gunslinger is the only one like standing against him. Like, he's the only one who knows, man. He's the only like, and in the gunslinger in that instance is the good guy, which I'm right. like, wow, dude. <laughs> Damn. Right when that mind, mind equals blown. Right, so that'd be pretty neat if that was true. I like this show. Yeah, I'm excited. So we're going to wrap it up there, guys. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please just tell your friends about it. If they're listening to Westworld, if they like podcasts, share it around. Uh, we, we're doing this all for fun, and it's a lot more fun if we get a big audience listening. And, we're on iTunes um, now. We're going to make it to Google Play, though, someday. Oh, we'll, we'll get there. So yeah, we are on iTunes as well. Um, more so than just telling people to listen to the show, uh, to our show, tell people to watch Westworld. It is good. We, and we were, I mean, there are no two people on this earth who wanted Westworld to be as good as it is more than James and I. And, uh, we are here to tell you that we are happy with it. So please go watch Westworld. And then after you go watch Westworld, come listen to our podcast just over and over again, constantly. Yeah. And after next week's episode. Tweet us your crazy theories at Westworld Ryan, and we will read them on the show along with our own. Look at that. Look at it. It's us interacting with you. <laughs> Podcasts are great. HBO. All right. So I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. See you next week. <laughs>